Born in 1592 in the Highlands of Scotland, and he is still alive. He is immortal. Constantly facing other immortals in combat to the death, the winner takes his enemy's head. And with it, his power. We know the truth about immortals. In the end, there can be only one. May it be Duncan MacLeod, the Highlander. And welcome into Let's Watch Highlander. This is Let's Watch Highlander, Season 4, Episode 18, Through a Glass Darkly. And here to talk with you about it, as we are every week, I am Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis, and over there, that's Audie. And how are you today, Audie? I am okay. I am... <laughs> yeah, well, it's been... We won't talk about the big thing, but mm-hmm. like, let's go into bed last night. I was going to start at the dishwasher. <laughs> which I tend to do right before bed. Mm-hmm. Picked up the dishwashing stuff from under the sink and noticed it's all wet down there. No, no. Buh. So oh, no. basically found out our garbage disposal is leaking to the point where it needs to be replaced. Ugh. Ugh, that's awful. Say, yeah, and it was just one of those things like it happens when I'm trying to go to bed and I'm already going to bed later than I should have and then this happens... So I don't sleep well, and then we had award stay at the school today, so I didn't get anything actually done at the house, and it's just oh. like blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you were you started off behind the eight ball, and it went downhill from there. Pretty much. Ooh. I well, mean, it, it was fun at the school though, so oh, that that was something at least. And hey, now you're here, and we're talking immortals, so we're ending on a high note. Yeah. Yep. For sure. So yeah, uh, it's uh, episode eighteen. We are nearing. The end of season four. Only a few yeah, episodes left. Uh, and this one was pretty good. Uh, oh, yeah. Not perfect. I have, I have some quibbles. I have some qualms, uh, which we'll get sure. to. Um, but it used a, uh, a very, uh, I think, good um, kind of story trope uh, to, mm-hmm. to build off of. Um, and great performances. So I think, uh, you know. I think we talk about that, but first, before we do, we have to listen to our Watcher Chronicle. Yes. As is tradition. Here it is. May 6, 1996. McLeod and Adam Pearson were leaving a grave of Alexa, who finally succumbed to her illness. As they were leaving, I saw both of them react to something, and McLeod went after it. Wait, is Pearson an immortal? Hmm, I'm going to need to talk to Dawson about this one. And to add to things, the immortal that McLeod went after was Warren Cochran, although he acted like he had no idea who Duncan was. Those two have a long history together from the war between Scotland and England. I can't imagine it's some kind of ploy. I'm not sure, but something feels off here. I need to call Dawson right now. So we open up. uh, Mythos and Duncan are at uh, a gravesite, and it's Alexa. She finally mm-hmm. uh, passed away from her illness, um, and they're they're there paying some respects. And uh, honestly, Mythos is handling it really well. Yeah, uh, which I kind of expect given how long he's been around. But still, you know, it, it's cool to see him holding it together fairly well. So they're getting mm-hmm. ready to leave, and they feel an immortal. Both of them do, 
And McLeod immediately takes off after it with Mythos being like, hey, what are you doing? And, and Duncan's <laughs> like, I'm just going to look. That's all. <laughs> and he ends up inside, I don't know if it's a mausoleum or what, but he's got his sword out for obvious reasons. And mm -hmm. we see a man come out of the shadows afraid. He's yelling. He's yelling at him to stay away. And then Duncan gets a look at him, recognizes him, says his name, Cochran. And uh, we get a quick flashback. And then Duncan approaches the man who freaks out and runs away screaming for help. So Duncan looks really confused, puts his sword away, and gets out of there. Mm -hmm. um, so now Duncan and Mythos are looking around for him. And Mythos is kind of given, uh, doing very Mythos things where he's like, look, this could be a trap. We don't know anything about this guy. Blah, blah, <laughs> yeah. And Duncan's like, no, 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 I know him. He wouldn't do that kind of thing. Uh, but I get where Mythos is coming from. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, and that Duncan even says, look, if it was, if, if Warren Cochran wanted my head, we would be fighting right now. He's never run away from a fight in his life. And, uh, the police end up showing up and as they're driving up, Duncan's just like to meet those. All right, get out of here. Go. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I love that moment. Uh, but the police show up, they're looking for Duncan. Uh, they're looking specifically for him, uh, because a man, Swears up and down that he that Duncan attacked him with a sword. Mm -hmm. Duncan does what he he's supposed to do, but he he goes with him. He's like, "Fine, we'll go." Um, and they get to the the police station, and uh, the the man's wife has been looking for him as well. Uh, his name is Mister Goddard. And as Duncan is walking up, uh, we we see Warren. Uh, Warren Cochran is his name, but he feels Duncan's presence and it's very unsettling for him. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't know what it means. And Duncan sees this and kind of realizes um, that something's not right. And when Duncan goes to talk to him, he again gets really confused, claims to not know who Duncan is at all, doesn't even know the name Goddard at all. Um, Duncan kind of talks him down, convinces him to remember that they were friends, all this kind of stuff. And he's trying to remember. He's getting like flashes, little flashes of stuff, uh, but we don't see, we don't see anything concrete. He's not remembering anything concrete, just something about a sword and the lightning, but that none of it makes any sense. Then his wife shows up. She and he doesn't recognize her at all either. So he doesn't know her. He doesn't know Duncan. Um, she doesn't know about his immortality. Duncan kind of fishes for that, um, mm -hmm. and uh, and so then she just takes she takes Warren home. So Duncan heads to the bookstore where Mythos is in the basement trying to dry out some old manuscripts that got caught in a flood. Mm -hmm. um, a and secret Duncan, basement. Did, did we know about this before? No, I don't, I don't think this. so. But we know that the, the book was, the bookstore was watcher related. So it kind of makes sense. Right. Oh yeah. Um, so Duncan's gone to him for a little bit of advice, but more so he, he wants to know some information on Cochrane. Um, because he, he, he relates to Mythos. Look, this guy doesn't remember who he is. Um, and Mythos has to remind him, well, it's not a physical thing. Like immortals don't physically get amnesia, but it could be some sort of an emotional trauma that triggered it mm -hmm. and caused it. So, um, Duncan asks him to find information and then we get at Warren's house. He's having flashbacks to his former life, uh, in a battle with the English. His wife is trying to jog his memory, showing him the stuff around the house. He's a, he's a travel book writer, um, but she, again, she doesn't know about his immortality. Meanwhile, he's getting flashes of things that happened hundreds of years ago and is remembering some of his immortality, which is confusing him even more. Mm -hmm. um, 
So uh, he starts to remember where he was, uh, flashes of memories of talking to somebody, um, flashes of Bonnie Prince Charlie, and that McLeod uh, lost his nerve. He's, he's remembering all these fragments, but it's just, it's, it's doing stuff to him. So it's not going well. Uh, meanwhile, right. Mythos, Mythos gets the info for Duncan. Um, pulls this file. He does warn Duncan that he should be leaving things alone, but, if, but Duncan's convinced he needs to help his friend because um, he's a danger to himself and to others, honestly. Uh, mm-hmm. So he goes to Warren, and he tells him straight out, look, dude, you're an immortal. And of course, <laughs> Cochran doesn't believe him. He says it's preposterous. So Duncan has to prove it to him by stabbing him in the hand and then holding his hand and making Warren watch the wound close up. So that proves his point. So Warren starts right. remembering more and more pieces of what happened. Uh, so and there's an argument with a younger, we assume, immortal. Um, it's his protege. Uh, he was telling him about uh, the the protege is telling him about how his life was wasted, um, and uh, his history is wasted. Warren gets angry with all of that. Duncan reminds him of the last time they saw each other, and in remembering that. Uh, we see uh, a scene we'll talk about in the flashbacks that plays out a couple of different times. But Warren has built this memory of Bonnie Prince Charlie and the, the myth of Bonnie Prince Charlie because the truth was that Charlie was in no shape to lead anymore. Mm-hmm. But he's blamed Duncan for this. Meanwhile, Mythos has found out that uh, the last known whereabouts of Cochrane were heading towards Normandy uh, with his protege but his watcher didn't go with him. And the young, the, the young immortal, Andrew um, Donnelly, has not been found since then. So Duncan goes back to Cochran's house to look for him. He's gone, but his wife is there, and as he's talking to his wife, he asks about Donnelly, which she knows. She doesn't like him, but she knows him. as <laughs> sort of a, somebody that, that uh, Warren took under his wing. Meanwhile, the police show up, conveniently uh, show up just in time for Duncan to overhear the cop telling her, yeah, uh, Andrew Donnelly was found dead and decapitated in Normandy. <laughs> so, Duncan heads out, and he goes and he finds him. He finds uh, Warren there. He's still confused, but he's remembering a little bit more and more. And he finally remembers what happened. He was there with Andrew, and Andrew started to speak ill of Bonnie Prince Charlie and of Warren and kind of all this stuff. And he sort of is kind of a little little prick. And mm-hmm. Warren lashes out and in a fit of rage takes his head off. And then the quickening happens and we'll talk about that. Um, but it it breaks him. He's broken right. now. Uh, he, he, he starts calling himself a monster. He attacks Duncan. Duncan, they fight. Duncan defeats him, but he won't take his head. And he leaves him there. Um... And that's that's where we end. He leaves. He just yeah. leaves the guy. So it's quite the episode. There's a lot that happens, um, mm-hmm. and there's a good bit to go over. But I think first, special guest, right? Right. Oh yeah. How's he letting? Well, it's either rusty or I'm looking at a recipe for seeing enemies. Apicius, everyone's favorite early Roman cook. What he could do with lentils and chestnuts? Mm. Looked like road target. Tasty. So special guests this week, we've got a couple. Uh, we're going to start mm-hmm. with Dugray Scott as Warren Cochran. Uh, he's great. 
He yes, he is. I like Duke Ray Scott a lot. Um, mm-hmm. It's actually a funny story. He was originally cast uh, to be Wolverine, right? In the first X Men movie, um, mm-hmm. and I think he could have played that well. He's got this ability to have like uh, a good um, a good amount of emotion and rage in him. Now Hugh Jackman was mm-hmm. fantastic, and and that's, sure. that's fine. But it would have been interesting to see. But I like him. This yeah, is a have. and this is a couple of years. It's about three years before Mission Impossible Two, which is the movie that kind of broad audiences might recognize him from. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, he's done a lot uh, of stuff in the over the years. I really enjoyed him as Warren Cochran. He did a great job, kind of believably having this amnesia and this confusion about himself. Um, mm-hmm. And he's just got an interesting. Uh, kind of look to him. Yeah. Like he's a good looking guy, but he's not like model good looks. It's like ruggedly right. handsome. And I really, I just, I enjoyed him. I think my only, I have one complaint, but first I want to get your take on, on Duke Gray Scott as Warren Cochran. Well, my first thought is this is one of those times where they have cast an actor early in his career who is punching above his pay grade. Dear Lord. Like, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, we talk about how some people go over the line in their acting in one way or another. And throughout most of the episode, I can't think of any time where it's like, I cannot believe he is this character. Or I cannot believe he is damaged mentally. Like, he does such a good job throughout the episode. Well, and his his portrayal during the flashbacks is so drastically different while still being the same person to what he is present right. day because of the amnesia that I think mm-hmm. that helps too, right? Because we get to yeah. see that real he's very fiery. He's very very mm-hmm. much this uh, you know, I am I am ready to fight. I'm ready to fight for a cause. Uh very right. patriotic. And then we see him later on and he's broken and but doesn't even realize that he's broken because mm-hmm. of the amnesia and the trauma that he went through. So yeah. Yeah, I like that. Now, here's my issue. Here's my only issue, and it's really my issue with the episode writ large, uh, which I'll talk about probably again. But unfortunately, this needed to be a two-parter because I feel like the ending to it doesn't undo anything that they did in the episode, but it leaves you wanting because mm-hmm. it just sort of ends. Yeah. And so this all this the the trauma of what he what he did is revealed so late in the episode and there's no resolution to that. He's just left there hanging basically. Mm-hmm. And that it feels a little unfair both to the character and to the audience. Right. Um and and you'd almost feel like this is not where Duncan would leave somebody. Right. He wouldn't just say I'm not going to kill you. He would put his sword down. He would give his hand out and say, let me help you. Let's find somebody that can help you. If it's not me, somebody else. Right. He would do everything in his power to help this friend mm-hmm. of his. And if right. That, Especially even, because even it's if, a friend of his. Yeah. Even if that meant taking his head. We've seen him do that before. Right. So that's where my problem is. And so like with, with Warren Cochran slash Warren Goddard, everything is great except for that ending just leaves you like, a little flat but it's so mm-hmm. but the but the performance is so good that yes that i can absolutely. look past a little bit of that like i'm not gonna deride the episode for that i'm not gonna 
knock it down a bunch. It's just not quite going to reach the height that it could have because it sort of just sort of fizzles out. Right. Um, but yeah, Dugray Scott, I, I, and, and maybe had they brought him back later, had we seen Warren Cochran later yeah. or something, but he's like, he's never heard or seen from again. So. Yeah. Well, Dugray's <laughs> career was kind of taken off after that. So it really was. Yeah. I mean, after this, he went on to do things like behind enemy lines, deep impact mm-hmm. ever after. Um, yeah. I feel yeah. like ever after was his really big thing. Like, as much as the Mission Impossible was a big thing, I feel like Ever After is one that he got discovered by a whole other audience. Oh, yeah. Well, it was Ever After, and then right after, you know, uh, a year or so later is Mission Impossible 2. Right. And that puts him on a big, big stage. And he goes on to mm-hmm. do, you know, a lot. And he's he's working all through today and doing, uh, doing all sorts of stuff. He showed up in uh, Batwoman, and I remember watching some of those. Um, thinking, oh, nice. Oh, it's great to see him in, in something. Uh, you know, an episode of Doctor Who in 2013. Like he's been, he's been doing quite a bit. Uh, one of the mm-hmm. Taken movies. Um, so he's he's great. I just I love his energy. I love his energy on screen. Yeah. Um, and I would have liked to have seen uh, more of him in Highlander uh, because mm-hmm. I think that I think that he and Adrian Paul had a pretty decent chemistry in those flashbacks too. Yeah, they seem to. And it would have made for an interesting like second half of the story of what happened to him in present day instead of just letting mm-hmm. it be. But yeah, you know, it is what it is. Um, our other main special guest, Peter Wingfield mythos doing his mythos thing. Uh, yeah, he is. This was a, this was a fun mythos episode because he's getting all those quips. He's getting that, those quips mm-hmm. like, Oh yes. Uh, you know, the, this guy could, the things he could do with lentils, uh, looked like robe tar, <laughs> but it tasted amazing. Like that kind of stuff. It's just these great, great mythos lines. But I like too that he's always where Richie and Duncan are kind of a big brother, little brother situation, and and Duncan and Joe are almost peers in a lot in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. With mythos, it's less like a brotherly relationship, and it's more like a like two sides of a coin. Like Mythos, yeah. Mythos understands who Duncan is, but he always brings up stuff that's like the antithesis of what Duncan would do. Right. And it's almost like he's balancing him out. In this episode, he even calls him a Boy Scout, which was great. That was a great moment. Uh-huh. He mutters Boy Scout under his breath. And Duncan, I love it too, because the reaction from Duncan is great. He stares at him for a second. He's like, what did you say? And Mythos <laughs> just like, yeah, nothing. Don't, don't worry about it. Even mm-hmm. though Duncan clearly hurt him, but like even right. say, saying something like, uh, "Well, I mean, if he's a danger, if he's if he's dangerous, bring him out and take his head off." And and Duncan's like, "I can never tell when you're joking or not." And he goes, "That's part of my charm." Yeah, <laughs> like that's such that's such a mythos moment. But he he uh-huh. acts as a great foil and a great balance to Duncan. Yeah. The other thing I was wondering about was like, um, let's see, was it? What happened the last episode? Was that The last episode was Chamoli. Okay. So after Methuselah's gift, does everybody who found out Mythos was a watcher end up dead? So like, is he still got his watcher cred? Well, yeah, because he was getting watcher material in this episode. Right. The only people that knew, yeah, the only people that knew were the renegade watcher. The one that was trying to gather the stone who dies at the end. And the, the head 
watcher who gets killed. They were yeah. the only ones that knew. So yeah, he's still Adam Pearson. He's still under guys. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. I was like, oh yeah, everybody who knew the truth got dead. Okay. And of course, Mythos is going to take advantage of that. Sure. That I may or may not have worked that into the Watcher Chronicle for this episode. We'll see. <laughs> you may or may not have heard that already. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it's just, I mean, look, Mythos is always a win. We know this, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but yeah. it's it's uh, it was this episode that I really noticed that it's that counterbalance. It's that thing, mm-hmm. and he he says these things knowing full well Duncan's not going to do it. Right. He doesn't. Uh, I don't think he ever actually has any illusions that Duncan is going to do these radical things that are so against his personality. But it's like Mythos is there just to offer them to to kind of show Duncan that there is this other way, and so mm-hmm. I love that. Or it- or at least just be that other opinion mm-hmm. of what could be possible, whether Duncan wants to go that way or not. But yeah. it's it's one of those things where you see in the way Mythos makes a statement, like, just bring him out and take his head. It's like, that is the Mythos that has survived for the thousands of years. Yep. That is that is spoken by a person who's been alive for 5,000 mm-hmm. years. That That's it's an like, easy way to get, get out of it. It's either take him out or run away and hide and don't think twice about it yep um i do want to mention gresby nash as andrew donnelly he's barely on on screen um yeah. he's a character that would have been interesting to learn more about because how yeah. did how did cochran find him why was he you know here's here's cochran like so intent on passing on mm-hmm. his thing to this guy and this guy just rejecting it at this point even though they've known each other for a couple of years now so it's it's it, there's interesting backstory this, I want to know more. This would have been interesting. Yeah, to do his backstory. This would have been interesting if we two-parted it. Start out with Andrew and Warren walking into the building. You hear the shouts. Mm-hmm. You hear some fighting or whatever. And then Warren walks out holding his head wondering what's going on. You know, start out kind of like that or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there was more to explore with Warren and Andrew Donnelly and all of that, that they, I really feel like if they had extended this into a part two, um, would have been good. I do think that this could have worked. This felt like the first half of a story Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Uh, I also want to mention Struan Roger, who played Bonnie Prince Charlie, um, because he had to play two very different versions of Bonnie Prince Charlie, and I liked that. Mm -hmm. Um, He's also the second actor we've seen in the series play Bonnie Prince Charlie. Yes, this is a much older version. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, we'll get into it in the in the flashbacks. But I kind of like that that they had an older version of of Charlie. Yeah, um, and that they played you know the different aspects and the different versions of him and and the way that well we'll we'll talk about it. But yeah, right. Um, I thought I thought he was good. Oh yeah. So, all right, that is special guests for this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, that's going to lead us right into flashbacks then. Oh, all right. He may be the one true prince and the man that Scotland needs to believe in. But he's no the man to lead us in war. So, flashbacks in this episode went a little bit back to our multiples peppered through uh, scenario. Yeah. And it, it fit this narrative much better. Um, yeah. Than having like one or two flashbacks to pepper them through because of the whole play on memory. So right. I, I didn't mind that. And they basically take place in 
in two different time periods in three locations. Um, the first one is uh, 1745 in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a battle going on, and we see Duncan and Cochrane, and they're bat- they're fighting the English. Um, and that's that is uh, right at the beginning of the episode when Duncan recognizes Warren. And then we come back to it uh, kind of that that night after that battle in sort of the aftermath mm-hmm. of it where they're discussing things. And you're starting to see the first um, instance of like the difference in the way that they view Bonnie Prince Charlie. Right. And Warren very much being like, we need Charlie. Charlie is our salvation. And both of them are very strongly pro-Scotland. But even then, Duncan's like, yeah, but some of the choices aren't great and some of the strategies not working so well uh but they're still united in their idea Mm -hmm. um and then seeing uh later on when duncan and some men are moving along and they they come across the aftermath of a different battle and we see Mm -hmm. a dead cochran um in quotes which by the way loved the shot where you the the wide shot and you can see he's clearly holding the sword in place yeah. <laughs> cracked me up i was like oh uh-huh. oh guys come on you can do better than that um, uh, it was more classic stage it was it was it was good it's just it was one of those things i saw it and then i couldn't unsee it and i had to make sure i right. left myself a note um uh-huh. but then when uh you know duncan pulls the sword and he comes around and they're talking and again duncan's like look charlie's charlie's not making some great decisions here i don't think he's the one to lead us and mm-hmm. this is again where we get this is where we get our first look at Cochrane's uh temper when he flips right. he flips out calls Duncan a traitor and slaps him and uh, Duncan's Don't do that. what i loved is Duncan's reaction he's like no man can call me that mm-hmm. and so it's that first the first inkling of that uh, that something isn't isn't perfect perfectly normal with Cochrane. Like he's got some ups and right. downs and some, he can fly off the handle a little bit. Um, and then it's we, funny too. Oh, go ahead. Um, before we get on to the next ones, like mm-hmm. this particular one was in 1746 before the battle of Culloden. Yep. Last season was when we had after the battle and Duncan helping Bonnie Prince Charlie escape. Yes. So it's really right. interesting to to see Duncan here having this discussion and quarrel, we'll say, with Warren. And then, like, later on in this year of where they're at is when he actually is helping Bonnie Prince Charlie. And I don't know if they tried, were trying to do that, but it works for me. It doesn't feel disingenuous no. for the way Duncan is at this point. You know, he's like, I'm not sure about him. And I'm sure, like, when he got to the point where he's on the road with Bonnie Pinch Charlie and trying to figure it out, and, you know, at that point, he's just protecting him. Like, it's not mm-hmm. about whether he thinks he's right or not. Because even it's at, interesting. I, yeah, even at that point, what we saw last season, he's still, like, he's protecting him. He wants to make sure nothing happens to Charlie, but he's not looking to Charlie for any kind of leadership. Right. Like, that's the, that's the fallout of mm-hmm. what happened there. Up yep. until that point and what we see here is that he's still looking to him for leadership but he's starting to question it then we Mm -hmm. saw the fallout of that which is just get charlie out of here and and keep him safe because we need him as the figurehead Mm -hmm. and now so i can only hope the writers are doing this good of a job because this was a good job of yeah putting that in there the way they did yeah and you know what honestly if it was uh 
stroke of luck than awesome, but I, I have a feeling yeah. there was at least a little bit of like, because David Abramovitz especially yeah, at this point, being the creative consultant, like he he had a thing or I'm sure he had a show Bible and he had kind of stuff to yeah. keep in line. Um, mm-hmm. So I did like that. And then we fast forward 40 years and now we're right. at 1786. You got Cochrane is in France mm-hmm. and... Uh, he's waiting for uh, Bonnie Prince Charlie to, to show up. He's got a young man with him. Um, they feel an immortal. McLeod rides up. He's like, what are you doing here? You know, the, we got to get you back to back across, you know, get you out of here, all this kind of stuff. And Cochran doesn't want to go because he's like, no, Charlie's here. Charlie's coming here. I'm going to see him. And mm-hmm. then they start getting shot at. So they go after the two gunmen. Uh, and while they're doing that, the gunmen wow. shoot could say Warren's going after the gunman. I feel like McLeod's more going after Warren. Fair enough. That's probably much more accurate. But um, while they're going after him, the gunmen shoot uh, the young man, mm-hmm. James, and his mother. Right. Uh, so after Warren and Duncan dispatch the two gunmen, um, the two Englishmen, they go back and they find his two friends shot and killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, then we get to see basically that same year who I, they, we don't really get a a sense of how long after, but Warren and Duncan, uh, finally meet Bonnie Prince Charlie. Um, Mm -hmm. and we get to see that play out in a couple of different ways. We get it from Warren's perspective where Bonnie Prince Charlie is, is ups, you know, upright and he holds himself with, uh, with great respect. And, uh, then we see the, the more accurate version of what Duncan remembers, which is he's a sloppy, slobbering drunk that can barely stand. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And it was interesting. I liked how that played out. It was, uh, it was cool to see kind of the different versions of that meeting and mm-hmm. how they remembered it. Because Cochran at this point has built this fantasy in his mind of who Charlie was and what he represented, which is right. what he needed to keep going. And so... That was why he held, he had this anger for McLeod because in mm-hmm. his mind, McLeod is the reason that they couldn't do things. It wasn't that Charlie was the reason. Right. So it was, it was cool to see like that, that all play out. And I thought that the flashbacks really uh, worked in this episode. They looked good. I liked using mm-hmm. the, uh, the set that they used. Uh, for those flash, especially those last flashbacks with Charlie and and everything, and how that was the same right. set that was where he kills Andrew. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they did a good job of redressing that later to to make it look all you know broken down and abandoned and all that. So sure, mm-hmm. you know the costuming was good. I I liked these flashbacks quite a bit. Yeah, they did a really good job, and especially with um, the two different versions of what happened when they met Bonnie Prince Charlie. Mm-hmm. Like when, when we see Warren's version, I'm like, dang, that's kind of weird. Yeah. It almost, he feels... definitely blew up. He definitely blew up at Duncan and like, oh, I kind of see what Duncan's saying and stuff. And then when we see Duncan, it's like, that's not how it went. And then you get the second flashback mm-hmm. from Duncan's perspective. Like, okay, this is different. This is okay. All right. <laughs> Interesting. Well, because that first flashback, the first version of it from Warren's recollection makes Duncan seem like he's way out of line. 
in a lot of ways because it doesn't because it in makes Bonnie ways. Prince Charlie Bonnie Prince Charlie is is uh, he's holding himself together but he just he refuses because the fight breaks out between two Scotsmen. He's like, mm-hmm. look, if you two can't get along, how are any of these? How are any of the men you have going to somehow follow me? I can't help you. Right. He leaves, and from mm-hmm. Warren's perspective, that was Duncan's betrayal causing Bonnie Prince Charlie to react that way, thus hurting sure. the course, the cause of the war. And mm-hmm. in reality, and what Duncan recalls is Charlie was by that point it had been forty years. And Bonnie Prince Charlie was just, he wasn't fit to do any of that anymore. He couldn't lead and he had lost his mm-hmm. own way. And he couldn't, he, he was just, he was exiled. He was drowning himself in, in alcohol. Right. Which and, actually makes more sense as to why he wouldn't recognize Duncan that well. Yeah. Even 40 years later. Mm-hmm. Or even Cochran, who, who sure. you know, you, I'm sure he had met. So it's kind of, it's that sort of thing. And, and it made for... Uh, it made for interesting storytelling, and I like that. I like yeah, I like that sure. use. I like that use of the flashbacks because this this mm-hmm. whole episode deals with a lot of memory and recall and flashbacks and fragments. So, it was a good a good episode to use a lot of flashback and a lot of um, pieced flashback throughout the episode. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure, it worked well. Put it like this: if he doesn't know who he is, then he's a danger to all of us. So lure him outside and take his head. Problem solved. You know, I never know when you're kidding. Part of my charm. So, uh, like we've had for the last several, no Richie and no Joe. Um, nope. No, it happens. They're, Not they're even experimenting. A phone call. Nope. But they're experimenting with some, <laughs> you know, some different story structure and, and things like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, we do have a final fight between Duncan mm-hmm. and Warren. Um, I, it's not a long fight, but I liked it because. They kept it simple and they lit it very differently. So they made the whole thing in the dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, you know, very harsh shadows. Um, and from a storytelling standpoint, I liked it because Duncan is not there to fight him. Duncan is there to help right. him. And mm-hmm. so we have we have the whole emotional reveal of what happened. We have the right. the final emotional breakdown of Warren Cochran, and then he's like. Who would do something like this? I'm a monster. You need to. You need to get rid of me. I don't deserve to be here anymore. And Duncan's like, no, no, right. we're not doing that. And Dun- and and Warren, and here's that final version or that final instance of his rage and his inability to to hold himself in check. He attacks Duncan. Right. And so the fight starts off. It's all offense from Warren and defense from Duncan. Mm-hmm. And so because Warren's just tried to provoke him to end him. You yeah, know. exactly. I mean, that. he said, if I'm a monster, then slay me. So he's trying to get Duncan to slay him. Yeah. And so it's good storytelling in the fight to just have it all one-sided aggression from Warren with Duncan not doing anything. And then when then he, he gets a break, he moves away from it, kind of sets a bit of a trap so he can get the drop on him mm-hmm. and turn the tide and try to uh, try to neutralize him. Right. And so Duncan does finish the fight which we kind of had a feeling that he would. And I think both Warren and Duncan believe that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then of course it doesn't end the way that you would think uh, because he doesn't take yeah, his head. Yeah, it really didn't. But not only, and, and I had memory of this episode that he did take his head at the end of it. 
So hmm. I conflated it maybe just a touch with, you remember the episode from, I think it was season two with uh, the guy that plays Nicholas Knight in Forever Night? Um, yeah, with the, yeah. With the disassociative identity disorder? Yeah. That one, I think I crossed a little bit of the wiring with this episode. Uh, Understandable. Um, so yeah, it, again, my only real issue with this episode is that it just sort of stops. It doesn't really come to a conclusion. Yeah. It just... They're like, well, we're out of runtime, so here we go. Pretty much. Um, you know, there's the one little throwaway line, like, he's off doing whatever. Yeah, he's, he's a on fugitive the run. now. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. But again, as we talked about, that's not something Duncan would do. So that yeah. feels weird. Like, they should mm-hmm. have been able to pick it up. I did like the very, very end where Duncan and Mythos yes. are talking and that idea, because they had broached it earlier, that idea of, like, if you could start over, if you could erase everything, right. would you do it? And Mythos' mm-hmm. response is great. Because he's like, no. Because then who would remember Alexa? Right. And, like, all that stuff that he has accumulated over time, all those memories they have, mm-hmm. all those people that they can honor, to just lose all that would be... Right. He couldn't do that. So I really like that. And, look, this, this episode is, is essentially Rashomon. Right. It's it's that story mm-hmm. structure. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, it's not reinventing the wheel, but when it's done well, I like that. I like the Rashomon structure. I like, mm-hmm. you know, oh, I remember this. Well, that's not really what happened. I remember this. And usually the truth lies somewhere between the two. Right. Um, you know, most episodes we have to rely on Duncan being our narrator for the flashbacks. And so this was kind mm-hmm. of cool because we were getting flashbacks from two perspectives. Right. So I did uh, very much enjoy that. Um, and, you know, again, Mythos, always a win. And we got some good Mythos lines um, and and moments there. And it it's an interesting episode in that it plays with memory, too. And, and Immortals' yeah. memories. Because think about it. Humans do that. Mythos even says it in the episode. It's a human thing. We remember things how we want to remember them, how we need to remember them. In this case, Warren mm-hmm. Warren had to build this mythical version of Bonnie Prince Charlie in order for himself to continue because that's what he had. That's what he had to hold on to. And he didn't want right. to remember his hero, this man that he followed into battle so many times. He didn't want to remember him as a bumbling, blubbering drunk who couldn't mm-hmm. even sit up at a table. Um, right. And so it's, it's always interesting the way that uh, our memory works and the way that we use memory. And so it was kind of cool to finally see, because we don't talk about that very much. Yeah. And like Highlander, the Highlander mythos works from sort of a point of view of like objective history and that we're getting exactly how it happened. But that's not necessarily always the truth. And we have to rely on our narrators. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. And then the other thing about this episode that they just barely touch on, and I feel like would be something we explore a lot more with something currently is just the the notion of mental illness in an immortal like what that looks like or because mythos is saying like you know it couldn't if it's not something physical that you can physically recover from then it's got to be something else and it just throws that whole notion of our mentality and how that works and how that works it's it's one of those things where it levels immortals with mortals. Oh yeah. 
it seems like, you know, and just expo- they they just barely touch on it in this episode because they're going all other places talking about the memory and everything like you were just saying. But sure. still, it'd be interesting to see more um, of them exploring the whole um, how this affects immortals mentally, you know, Oh, even yeah. in a short term or long term thing, Men- mental and emotional stresses and trauma, and how that affects your life and moving forward, mm-hmm. and and PTSD and stuff like that, which they've they've scratched the surface on uh, in a couple of episodes here and there. Um, right, this being another one of them, but it would be nice. It would be very interesting to dive into that to really mm-hmm. to really go that route. Um, it'd be hard to do in a series or or you know a single episode that would almost. I almost would like to see that kind of thing explored in like a novel where you can really, you can really take the time and, and let it breathe and flesh it all out and really go into it, dive into the mind of one immortal that's gone through this or something Mm, or two immortals and having one have these problems and you're hearing about their stories from the perspective of the watchers or from another immortal that's been there, something like that. Like, would be interesting because you're right like they they don't talk about this enough and this kind of stuff would happen in fact Mm -hmm. i would argue to say that it would happen more with immortals than it does with humans because they have so much more of it that happens in their lives for sure and it there's such violent lives that they lead because of the rules of the game in this mythology that Mm -hmm. it could lead to a lot of very interesting uh deconstructions and kind of breakdowns of all of that right so yeah, this is a good episode. This is a very good very episode, good and episode, it's yeah. very much carried by uh, Dugray Scott, Peter Wingfield, mm-hmm. and Adrian Paul. Like those three, just they get it, they get it, and yep. and that's what makes it good. It's not a great episode because of the ending, in my opinion. Right? Gonna, it's just mm-hmm. where where it could be great. I got to knock it down like a half a step because it just sort of it's like a dead fish at the end, and yeah, you know, it's kind yeah. of a bummer. It's a bummer because it's so much good build up to just kind of flop there at the end. Yeah, but you know but, that's that's episodic TV and especially mm-hmm. you know syndicated episodic TV where you're not. This would be one that you could revisit in a more serialized format and stretch it out and give us mm-hmm. more of it. Yeah, and there's been other episodes where we've talked about them writing themselves into a corner and they just didn't write themselves out very good at all. No, this isn't the worst example of that. Like. You know, one off color, one offhand remark about it. Not terrible, no, but not great either. Yeah, where where it can get annoying when like uh, a a show will write itself into a corner and then kind of punch its way out. This one just sort of mm-hmm. wrote itself. This episode wrote itself into a corner, and then just stayed in the corner and walked away. Yeah, <laughs> like it just backed everything up. That's about the best way to explain it for sure. Yeah, so you know it happens. They're not all going to be perfect, but it's still good. It's still worth watching. Yes. And mm-hmm. what it does right, it does really well. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. You've got good Duncan. You've got Mythos at his absolute best. And you've got Dugray Scott just slamming that performance. And I think I think that's it. Like I want I just want more Dugray Scott. And I want more mm-hmm. I want more of Warren Cochran and I want to learn his story more. Where has he been? Why didn't yeah. he do anything to Duncan over the last hundred and something years or whatever it is, a couple hundred years? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting stuff, but I, I I very much enjoyed this episode. It was a good one. So yeah. Uh, now next week's episode is Double Jeopardy, episode Ooh. nineteen. Um, don't remember much on this one uh, offhand. 
Double Jeopardy is episode 19 of season four. And mm-hmm. I believe we have... Uh, oh. Oh, yes. Okay. Now I'm remembering it. We have the possible return mm-hmm. of one Xavier St. Cloud. What? Which is a name we haven't heard in a while. And last we saw yeah. him... Last time we saw him, it ended with Duncan and a big old quickening. So... Mm-hmm. Could get interesting. So that's next week's episode, yeah, Double Jeopardy. Uh, if you enjoy this show and you want to watch us record it live, you can do that. Tuesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern time at twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. And you can see my face. You can see Audie's face. You can interact with mm-hmm. us and Ace and Amy and whoever else happens to be in the chat that night. Uh, usually yelling at me to watch West Wing or why I didn't make the Doctor <laughs> Who connection. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, And that's Tuesday nights. And then the show comes out on Thursdays, anchor.fm slash let's watch Highlander and available anywhere you get your podcast. Leave a rating and review. It helps the show become more discoverable. We appreciate that so much. Um, And yeah, uh, that that is that. I am on Twitter at TV's Travis, TVS Travis. And I love to talk immortals or, you know, pop culture, movies. Audie and I do a show on classic TV with a couple of friends of ours, Stephen and Amy called those were the days we like to talk that kind of stuff too so find me on there oh, and yeah. audie you are on twitter as the audie norman changed it up last week so mm-hmm. streamline my online presence there you go and you post your artwork that you do spe- uh, special for every episode uh on there mm-hmm. and that this one was a good one again i say it every week yeah but you captured you ca- you got his sword which there was a moment mm-hmm. in the episode that really focused on that and i loved that and yeah. the 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 shading and the lighting that you did was cool too. Yeah, we, that's one of those little things. It's like, oh, I wonder if it'd be cool to do this, and I did it. I was like, oh yeah, that works. Okay, cool. Yep. So, um, oh, pardon me. So yeah, that is Highlander for this week. Come on back next week for episode nineteen of season four as we come up on the finish line, double jeopardy. Until then. For Audie, I'm Travis, and remember that there can be only one Bonnie Prince Charlie. Yup. You can yourself too good. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>